You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 161. Coco, sweet homemade guitar. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. My name is Chelsea Robson. You are here with me and my fabulous co-host, Morgan Stradling. Hello, hello. If you have never listened to the Animation Addicts podcast before, basically what it is, we're just a couple of friends who sit down every other week to discuss an animated film. Now, this could be something from the past. It could be something current. And today it is very current. We're talking about Pixar's Coco. We are really excited to talk about this. This is the number one movie in America over the Thanksgiving weekend. No surprise there. There are a few things we're going to talk about, actually the whole movie. So if you haven't seen it, then this is your chance to bail because we're going to be talking spoilers. And even more so, we're going to be talking about the oh-so-special short that played before it that surprised a lot of people. Some people knew this was coming, some people did not. And we will talk about Olaf's Frozen Adventure. So stay tuned. This is good times ahead. (laughs) And it's the first Christmas I remember today. All right, so I want to talk about Olaf's Frozen Adventure. First off, I saw this for a press screening, and it did not have this short prior to it. And so I I knew the short was supposed to be on it, and I was like bummed because I was like, dang it, I really wanted to see both of them, see what everybody else is going to be seeing. But they were like, no, that's not on there. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, I did my review for this movie on our YouTube channel, and I just got a lot of people that were saying all sorts of things. Like, it was just the the whole gamut. Basically, either people love this short, and I've heard people say even they cried during it, and then I've heard other people that were like, oh my gosh, why are you subjecting me to this? So I I was like, what? I don't know what to expect when going into this. Morgan, when you saw it, what did you think? Well, let's talk about the history of this and how it came to be first. So initially, it was announced as a TV special. So back in February 2016, they announced that they were going to make this short film that was going to be a TV special. It's going to air on ABC. And this is something that they have done before with, you know, different Toy Story specials. There have been... Uh, Prep and Landing, which is a Christmas short that came out around 2010, 2011. You know, so this is something that wasn't unheard of and we were somewhat familiar with. And we got excited for those Christmas specials. And, you know, this was 2015 was when they released Frozen Fever, the short. And so this was the year later. Hey, we're going to do a TV special. So it made sense. And of course, now we're having a sequel feature length film. Anyway, this past summer, they announced that although it was intended to be released as a TV special, they decided to release it in front of Coco. So that kind of sets up the story. So this was initially intended to be a TV special, and instead it is in front of Coco. And so my thoughts is I, now you know that we are Frozen lovers, and we are the, the starters of Frozenber, and we, you know, we went to the Frozen premiere and covered it on the red carpet, and Frozen was our jam. Unfortunately, with all great things, sometimes there's just so much overload that even the best of things, you, you, there's fatigue. And I feel that right now, this kind of is the epitome of frozen fatigue, um, mostly because I felt that there, this short was so lacking in so many ways. I felt that the short fell flat. It was very inauthentic. I, I felt that the characters weren't really uh, true to themselves, and, and the, the voice actors sort of just phoned their performances in. Elsa, again, like there's no growth to her because she's always harping on losing her her childhood and missing out on that. And oh, Elsa, oh, Anna. It's all my fault. And, right, right. And, and it was way too long, way too long. So uh, those are my initial thoughts. We'll go into each of the different pieces. But what, what were your initial thoughts? We are the real Brady, Brady Bros. Brady Brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams. And I'm Christopher Knight. I played Greg. And uh, who were you again? I played Peter. 
we've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of The Brady Bunch. We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why The Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We are The Real Brady Brady Bros. So I've heard everybody else's negative thoughts harping on it. And even on like the comments on the YouTube video, they were like, oh, yeah, because this this Coco actually came out first in Mexico because it was supposed to be in front of Dia de los Muertos, as it should be. (laughs) But we shall talk about that later. And so it's been this huge thing. I had so many comments of people saying that they love this movie. Hey, hello from Mexico. You know, and then there's this one person who got on and was like, yeah, actually, that short, they took it off after the first two weeks. And yeah, they say that, oh, yeah, it's a first it's only the first two week engagement or what. And then after that, it's going to be gone. But they're like, no, I believe that people just hated it so much that they're like, this is better off just to take it off. I was like, oh, geez. Right. Like when you go see a a movie at the Dollar Theater that had a short in front of it, the short stays like it's a package. Yeah. So for them to remove a short is pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. It has been released in Mexico since the 27th of October, which makes sense and is smart. Unlike everyone else who got it, got it way later, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> Talking about the short. Yeah, the short. We have an article on rotoscopers.com, which we'll link. It's called uh, Frozen, Olaf's Frozen Adventure is the Meme Disney Didn't Intend. And it really did backfire, at least from my perspective. And I'm sure there's people that are listening to this right now that are screaming into their headphones, you know, and headphones are just speakers. They're not a microphone, so I can't hear you. But <laughs> that are saying, oh, my gosh, it was amazing. And the, I, there are, we have um, our rotoscopers group where the, the writers, we, we talk and we're collaborating and whatnot, and there are people in the group who absolutely love it and others who absolutely don't. There doesn't really seem to be too many people who are just kind of straddling both sides of the fence saying, yeah, it was okay. Uh, it seems to be one way or the other. Yeah, I, I really believed that. And for me going into it, I came in really expecting the worst. And honestly, I'm, I'm going to say that it wasn't the worst. It definitely wasn't great. But it wasn't the worst. I felt like some of the songs, like quality wise, I believe that they sang the songs really well. I enjoyed listening to them. But at the same time, I felt like the story was like non-existent. I mean, it had a story, but there like, for example, the thing that bothered me is that there was one moment where Olaf was said, he's like, maybe I should just stay lost. And I'm thinking, what? When at there at no point in time did they establish the fact that he was like feeling insecure about his place at the kingdom, you know? Yeah, if anything, he was very much a part of royal life and everyone accepted him. Right. And so it's like they they that was probably the biggest thing that just left you like I was not prepped for this moment of you know, now he's feeling he, there was never a moment where he felt like he was insecure and now obvious all those all of a sudden he's jumping to the you know that escalated quickly <laughs> like mm-hmm. to i am going to stay lost i'm never going back what it was just weird and i felt like if there are like you said you know it was just flat storyline no character development at all like i would like there to be some type of development if they're going to be putting you through 20 minutes of something like there's more than enough time to have some type of character development. TV shows do it all the time. But I just felt like there was each one of the characters were just like, like, for example, Sven. I felt like his character was amped up way more than it should be. Like when he was trying to say, hey, you know, go get Olaf, whatever. Like that mm-hmm. whole thing. I get the gag. But like Frozen wasn't a gag type movie and so they laid the ground rules as far as the the rules of the universe in the first movie and they're just like disregarding them yeah a lot the the original team was not there so it's directed by different directors different producer the music is done by different people other than christoph beck who does the score the songs are by two new people Alyssa sam Samsel and Kate Anderson rather than Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. And I think for those reasons, everything just feels like a few notches down. It just feels lesser quality. If this were just have been released as a TV short, 
I think it would have been better received yeah. because there's not necessarily that, you know, the, the theater is where it's at. And there's just such high expectations, especially playing in front of a Pixar film. And even, even to me, the animation felt felt off slightly or just not as high quality. And then, like I mentioned, there were certain parts where just the dialogue felt like like there was no emotion in it, especially from Kristen Bell and Adina Menzel. I just felt that they were phoning in their performances. There wasn't real heart to it. But I think it's because the, the screenplay itself had little to no heart. We, I think the idea was, okay, let's do a short around the holidays, around Christmas. And so they do, and that's kind of the whole conception of this. And then, it, they, it, okay, what, what holiday traditions are there? You know? And so then that's kind of the premise of this, is let's follow... You know, we're going to do all these holiday traditions. It's the first holiday where we're going to open up the gates. But, hey, everyone else has their own holidays, and they're not really interested in being a part of ours. So then they realize, oh, wow, we're really alone. Um, so then the whole short really follows Olaf as he's going to find other people's traditions. And some of them are things that we're familiar with. Other things are newer and, and gaggier. Uh, and everyone does their own thing, and that's totally cool, and that's what happens in real life. Everyone has their own way of celebrating the holidays. And, and then at the end, it, they just go into their attic and they're like, oh, we actually do have, have traditions. I drew you a picture of Olaf every year, and that's our tradition. And to me, it was, again, going back to the missed out childhood of Elsa, that she missed out, that she feels guilty. And it, it can, I just feel that we need to explore something different. Yeah. Yes, it's sad, and it is terrible that they missed out on so much time together. But I feel it like it was just kind of harping on themes slightly that were covered in the first film. Um, and we, there would have been some other sort of conflict. It would have been better to me. But yeah. this was just kind of like, what are the, the main things that work? Okay, Olaf singing a dopey song, um, the sisters singing a duet, and song, 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 songs, right? So the different songs that are in here are Ring in the Season. That's with Kristen Bell, Adina Menzel, and Josh Gad. So the trio the Ballad of Flemingrad, like we got to have Jonathan Groff sing, like a, a, you know, a song as Sven or <laughs> a song as Kristoff. Ring in the season again, time of the year, or sorry, that time of year, and that has all of them. Uh, that time of year with Josh Gad, when we're together, Olaf's Frozen Adventure, that's the, that's the score. So there are six songs, two of them, um, reprise, 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 the reprise whatever (laughs) two of them are reprises and like they kind of all just blend together because it's like oh frozen people love songs so we got to get as many songs as possible and they kind of did what they did at the beginning of frozen where the first 30 minutes of frozen is just all songs right but the difference is that frozen balances out toward the end by actually having dialogue and kind of exploring those concepts that were established through those songs at the beginning and then having them form into this plot. Now, this, the majority of it was seemed like songs to me. And it just felt like, okay, we go into another song again. And I'm really not trying to be like super critical of this, but this is just my opinion that I did not enjoy myself in the theater. To be honest, I was almost embarrassed. And I've heard other people say this as well, to be sitting there with this short that just didn't like frozen is so special to me. And I feel that it should be on like this really high plane. Mm -hmm. And this just did not feel real. It did not feel authentic. It felt super cheesy. And I was just kind of embarrassed to be here with my family. Like, okay. If it would have been a normal short, like, you know, five to seven minutes, five to 10 minutes, even I would have been fine. You know, throw one or two songs, cute little short. Great. But the fact that it was this short that never ended, like there were multiple times people in next to me were like, is this a, is this a short? Is this still going? Wow, this is a really long short. Wow, this is a really long short. You know, people kept saying that. And which I feel if you were truly invested into it, you wouldn't say that. You would just be so into the story, right? And, and the fact that this just wasn't good and it never ended was embarrassing to me. Like I was really kind of embarrassed to be there with my family for for that but then thankfully we have coco that really redeemed it and i never looked at my watch once because it was just so good and felt so authentic and real Mm -hmm. it was just night and day difference 
Yeah, it's a real bummer. And I think that I think that it definitely had a negative toll on the franchise itself, speaking into Frozen 2. Mm-hmm. It might not have hurt it that much, but it definitely didn't help it. Right. Going forward, Disney has to be really careful with what they do with this franchise because it is so special that when they just kind of throw things that are not up to snuff, it, it Give really... Give more pigs. Right. It really dampens like my perception of it and makes me less excited for more. Mm-hmm. Like This really did not make me excited to see Frozen 2 at all. Even though I know it's a completely different creative team and I expect great things out of Frozen 2 and I really hope they don't harp on the same concepts that, you know, we already established and discovered and explored in the first movie. I just, this didn't bring anything new to the table other than it was holiday themed. Yeah. I mean, there's there's the one quote that I thought was really funny was right after the Ballad of Flemingrad. Ha- right after that is when Olaf is like, you're a princess. You don't have to settle. Right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> there, were, there were some funny moments. And I felt that if they could have consolidated this, like this really could have been done as a seven minute short. Yeah. Right. I mean, we, hey, we have, hey, ring in the season. We have traditions. Oh, wait, you guys already have your traditions. We need to find our own traditions. Oh, okay, boom, we're done, right? So I think the, everything could have been consolidated, but obviously a lot of work went into this. And I'm just really interested in the reason why this was pulled. They haven't really gone into that. But again, if this were just released as a TV short, I feel that that it would have done so much better. Because in the article by our, by our writer, Blake Taylor, he mentions lots of things about this and that it was kind of the wrong audience, you know, and a different demographic which I think Disney is kind of just assuming that the Coco audience is the same as the Frozen audience, which, again, I think surface level, even most of us know that's not necessarily true. Yes, it's the animated family fair audience, but Frozen is totally different is. than Coco, especially even like your, your classic Pixar type of audience, especially just like the princess aspect alone is kind of isolating and typically would draw a different audience. And they met, he mentions in there how before Cinderella, they played Frozen Fever. And Frozen Fever was very well received for the most part. And that's because the audiences, even though one was live action and one was uh, animated, were more or less similar and looking for the same thing. So people who are going to Cinderella really do enjoy a princess story altogether. And so Frozen kind of fit with that. Yeah. Well, the people going to see Coco... From you know, this isn't just me talking about my opinion. This is just I have talked to a lot of people about how they feel about this, and I'd say it's about seventy-five percent didn't like it, and twenty-five percent liked it, and they just loved Coco, but were really confused with Frozen and didn't really you know they weren't going in for that. Like I think because this wasn't very well advertised outside of the Disney Channel. If you weren't one who was really watching a lot of the stations where they were advertising, you had absolutely no idea this was coming. Yeah. Um, And it kind of took people by surprise, uh, which we expect shorts, but we don't expect 21-minute shorts, which kind of never seemed to end. And so I think that was kind of the trouble is that this, it was just a different audience who, I've heard people say once they found out there was a Frozen short, they opted not to go. Very rare. Uh, That's only like one or two accounts, but it's just interesting that it's like, okay, and you know, they should, and they're on this article, there are posters that have been posted at different theaters that like before you go into the doors, there's a big sign taped on. It says there is a 20 minute short for Frozen's Olaf adventure at the start of Coco. (laughs) Another one says this one, there's some inaccuracies here, but it says there is a 20 minute Pixar clip in the beginning of the film, which <laughs> it's not a Pixar clip and it's definitely not, it's not Pixar and it's not a clip. It's a Disney short. Oh, it's also frozen. So, but yeah, yeah, that's funny. So anyways, I, I really hate to start this on such a negative note, but you know, as someone who loves animation and appreciates animation and really for the most part, so excited to see all things animation. I was sad that I really did not like this. And the fact that I was even somewhat embarrassed to be watching it with my family is 
is troubling. Uh, and so I just hope that Disney learns from this and kind of rethinks what, what they're doing uh, with this franchise. Mm-hmm. Because we have hit Frozen Fatigue. A lot of people hit it a long time ago. We have two more years until Frozen 2 comes out. And I think from here on out, Disney's going to be a little bit more conscious in what they're doing. Like, I, I'm pretty sure we're not going to see any shorts between now and then based on the reception of this. Yeah, that would definitely fatigue out there. Mm-hmm. And I can understand why they're wanting to get it out to more people because they're thinking, OK, we need to really pump up for Frozen 2 because, you know, the first one was such a landslide out of this world tsunami they're just wanting it to be at least comparable. And so they're like, okay, let's keep that, keep reminding them that Frozen is a thing. I'm like, really? You didn't have mm-hmm, to remind mm-hmm. us. <laughs> Frozen is a thing. <laughs> Once again, my takeaway is that it wasn't bad. It didn't help the franchise, but I did enjoy moments. And I was like, I was kind of like on a neutral level to as unlike me (laughs) well right unlike you you were very non (laughs) very polarizing but I kind of was more on the neutral side but at the same time I recognize that this is not my frozen this is not my my team I could tell it's different um but a majority of the people who probably went in there were just like whatever all right (laughs) right right so I mean definitely you don't want a whatever like because most people out of a Pixar short come out being like, oh, did you see the short? That short was awesome, you know. Um, so, you know, that's, those are my thoughts of our <laughs> Olaf's. What would you rate it? Over Olaf's Frozen Adventure? Oh, I'd get a bit of two. I mean, two and a half probably, just because I did enjoy the music for it. I Not necessarily the music itself. I've... Being, I'm not saying like I'm gonna go start singing the songs, but I liked listening to it. I felt like the performances on the songs were well done, and I love hearing Adita Menzel's voice just in general. I think she's amazing. So, um, just on that side, I'm like I give it a two. They had a couple funny things and two two point five. Yeah, that's what I would give it. Yeah, I'll probably give it a ooh, like a two as well, or you know, one point five to two. Just maybe a two it just was pretty painful to sit through it was a it just felt subpar on so many levels and lackluster it felt very inauthentic to the characters and to the franchise and that's what i think really hurt it i feel the songs which are so important to frozen Mm -hmm. because they are so good tried to capture elements of what made you know Kristen. Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez and their song so great, but just wasn't quite there. And they weren't bad songs, but they really weren't the the greatest songs uh, or, you know, frozen level songs where I'm going to have the frozen CD in my car for six months straight sort of thing. Right. And yeah, just inauthentic really kind of was the word that when I left the theater, I felt, especially just regarding all aspects, uh, dialogue, acting, songs, characters, whatnot. So, All right. Well, those are our thoughts on this. If you want to give us your thoughts, make sure to go to rotoscopers.com slash 161. And that is where we have this episode posted. And you can just show us, tell us exactly what you think. We'd like to hear what you guys have to say. All right. Are we ready for Coco? Let's do it. Yay! <laughs> So Coco is interesting because it has a very interesting history and it's been a bumpy road to get to the theaters here. It has had lots of ups and downs. First off, it was supposed to come out back in 2015, but because of the other Dia de los Muertos film, Book of Life, it felt like it was very close, especially on animation style wise, just colors and themes and everything. They're like, let's push this off. So they pushed it out. And then they also had like that whole fiasco of them trying to 
um, copyright the name Dia de los Muertos. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Which was just like, oh my Ooh. gosh. it's It really was like, yeah, I'm going to go copyright Christmas. <laughs> Pay right. me every time you say Christmas. Like, what? <sighs> so Pixar had not good things going on around that time. It was very bad for for this film it was very bad for the cultural um intent that they were trying to make um it just came out really bad and so it was going into this film honestly i was not super excited about it i i knew what i was kind of getting myself into but i didn't know the storyline so i was i was kind of expecting you know just something about the adults mortos and kind of like book of life a little bit Right, right. With Book of Life coming out a few years prior, it kind of made me wondering, like, well, what are... Obviously, there's so many different stories that you can do with that holiday. But because it was kind of relating going into the world of the dead, both of them, like, okay, well, what are... How are we going to make these different? And they are so far different. Oh, yeah. In a ways. In a ways. I mean... There's the guy playing the guitar and whatnot, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> totally different. That's a cultural um, thing, though. You can't. I mean, it's right. It's right. Like, <laughs> it's like being mad that there are, you know, two Christmas films like, no, <laughs> this is a very Christmas is something that's very known more so than Day of the Dead. So from the outsider perspective, mm-hmm, looking mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. the only thing that I know of I knew about Day of the Dead was that it was, you know, remembering ancestors. Okay. But you, it mostly has like a Halloween vibe because of all the skeletons and everything. Right. Like it just, from the outside looking in. From an American point of view. American point of view. Just, you just don't get it. And we just don't. (laughs) We just don't get it. And so I was really glad to see this film because it really um, added a bit of like reverence to the holiday for me. Of like, this is something that we all have in common and we all can have it's very accessible. That was the word that I, I liked. Right. It was really cool. And how family was really the key element of this film. And yes, you know, when they die and they're in the world of the dead, they're skeletons, which, you know, in Halloween time, we associate with like spooky, but it wasn't, it, it didn't come off spooky at all. This wasn't a scary film. No. And, and that's not what this holiday is about. And so I'm really glad that they made this, very positive and very reflective of what it truly is. Uh, they did a great, great job in in helping to tell that story. And to- yeah. So we do have opening weekend numbers. Domestic total in the United States was 72 million. So 72.9 million. So very good numbers coming in. And foreign, they made about equal that, about 82 million um, so really well received and yeah, $159.2 million in its opening weekend budget estimated to be between 175 to 200 million. So very, very good. Their official release date for the United States, November 22nd, 2017. So there you have it. Mis amigos. Mis amigos. <laughs> Let's talk about this movie. I'd love this movie. So the very first thing that I loved how they started it out with the story of I think I'm cursed and just talks about the 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 walkaway musician and then the fact that he talked about how and she didn't have any time for that walkaway musician. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, everyone laughed at that. Like, <laughs> oh girl. But it's funny how it really goes to show what a matriarchal society that a lot of these families are in. So it's so fun. Yeah, I thought that was a very cool way to set it up. I loved the little, you know, pennant banner, almost paper cut way that they told it. Yeah. That was very fun. And it really did a great job of establishing the history of this family and why they are the way they are, how they got there, in meaning in the fact that they are cobblers and shoemakers, and what the Riviera family is today. And then we get to see the daughter of that initial couple and she's very old and then the mom and or, you know the grandma and the mom she's the great grandma then the grandma then the mom and then him mm-hmm. and so that introduces us to the conflict which is that he 
loves to play the guitar and loves music and has this secret shrine to <laughs> his beloved Ernesto de la Cruz. Yes. So we have Miguel. He's a 12-year-old aspiring musician, and we, we see the conflict with the family. He goes and he shines shoes in the pub in the town square, and there's this big music festival that's going to be happening, and he really wants to participate and needs a guitar because his gets unfortunately smashed by the grandma when she finds out. Oh, can we go talk about that guitar for a second? The homemade guitar? The homemade guitar. (laughs) I was like, dang, boy. (laughs) Like, your shoe skills have, even though you're officially not an official member, you (laughs) can put some handiwork together, you know, with the old nails as the the riffs. (laughs) Right. I was very impressed with that. But then also, I was so impressed with just watching just how the animation was so real to was so true to form. And you watch the hands as he's playing the guitar. And he's actually playing the guitar. Like, he's actually playing all the right notes. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it's like, wow, that's that type of of realism just I loved. I felt like that whole thing, the whole bringing in Ernesto de la Cruz in and making him just, like, the guy was so well put together. Just like, yeah. Because it makes it seem like... The whole thing is about him, you know, getting your getting your dream and seizing your chance and see like that type of a story. And so they really do play a switcheroo through the whole thing. And I appreciated that. Yeah, his obsession and just how much he loves Ernesto de la Cruz definitely reminded me of Ratatouille of Chef Gusto. Yeah. In a way where we see his ba- his history and we get to see it through the TV screen and his old clips and whatnot, and how he was just kind of this idol to this one guy, you know, and he wanted to be like him. So very much Scott Ratatouille vibes in that. And anyway, so he goes and he needs this guitar. And so he decides, and this is on the eve of Dia de los Muertos. And so everyone is, and it's just, I just love the artistry and everything about it because it's really sunset, it's getting dark. Everyone is out in the cemetery and they're putting the candles and lighting everything. And, you know, he's sneaking with the flower petals. Everything was just always had a purpose, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. It was very mindful in what they did. And so he goes and Ernesto de la Cruz is this huge superstar. He's basically like the Mexican equivalent of Elvis. Yeah. And he's been dead quite a long time, but still is just beloved and has all these different songs that people love and are so renowned and sings. And so apparently is from this town. So he has a big sepulcher basically where his remains are and his guitar is there. And so he just says, okay, well, I'm going to go steal this guitar. Wait, at this point, does he figure out he's his grandpa? Um, yes, he does. Because he the whole yeah. thing falls the the picture falls off the ofrenda oh right 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 okay, breaks, yeah. and he realizes oh my gosh my grandpa had his guitar that's my guitar now <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so he's like yeah so that gives him, right him the it. right but in his mind he's able to go and steal the guitar knowing that what wow this is my grandpa this was me like i am this it gives him even more gusto to go and pursue this dream and so it, no yeah, no one's going to notice that it's his guitar. I mean, to be honest, with a guitar as famous as that, I wouldn't be surprised if there were knockoffs being sold yeah. on, you know, the street in the Mercado all over the place. But so who's to say like, wow, he has his exact guitar. Right. Probably just assume like, oh, it's just some cheap knock- knockoff he bought for five bucks or five pesos or whatever. <laughs> uh, but no, no, he steals it and very quickly realized. But he has this kind of out-of-body experience where then he real he's able to go into the world of the dead kind of he's still alive yeah so he's he's uh on the edge i guess <laughs> between worlds i guess you could say uh because he was dead but he's still not it's not hasn't solidified yet is that is that the interpretation you got that's what i got that he, i mean that well, not died? that he was dead but yeah, out of body experience is probably a good thing, but that it would solidify as being, hey, you're not back with your body um, until sunrise, I guess. 
That was my interpretation. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't see him as, as being dead, but just having this sort of out of body experience which allowed him to to go. But yeah, and so there's one thing that we did not talk about, which is Dante, the street dog that he's befriended. And, you know, the, the grandma says, oh, don't ever feed him. Then they'll never leave you alone. Uh, <laughs> now go get my shoe. He's the, only, he's the only one who can see him, meaning Miguel. And then his Miguel can now see the ancestors, which is really cool because they, they were visiting this whole time. But no one could see them. Right. But it was very, very important for all of the ancestors for this very special day so they could come and see you and see how you've grown and just watch over you in a way. And it was that one night where it was allowed to happen. It was very special. So, And how much faith for each of the members of the families to do this. You know, I'm going to do this every Dia de los Muertos, but you're, I can't see you, but I know you're there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I look at this, one thing that made it so accessible to me is that I have a lot of family that live around me and every year we get together and we have some type of family reunion and this has been happening for years and as we've gone on you know people have died and at those family reunions it's like the job of the the head of the family to bring a picture of the person who had died and put it on this table in front of everybody. And so it was just, for me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like my life. (laughs) It was very accessible to me because I could, that's definitely something that happens in my family too, of this, everybody get together and we are family and the family is with us still. And we look to them, they look to us type feeling. Yeah, family is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So we enter this really amazing, beautiful world of the land of the dead, you know, versus the land of the living. Mm -hmm. And it's so cool because they all have these different sort of portals and bridges that carry over to each one of the cities. And I mean, the land of the living, but the land of the dead is this one central unit. And it is so big and so large and all encompassing. It's so bright and vibrant. It's not necessarily what you would imagine, you know, the dead world to be. And it's what we learned is it is actually this kind of this middle place, this, you know, intermediate place before your final resting place. And as long as you're always remembered on earth by somebody, then you will always be able to remain in the, you know, the land of the dead. They don't know what happens beyond that. Mm -hmm. But it is, I think because of that, because there's that fear of the unknown and of being forgotten, that they do not want to pass on. You know, to them, as long as we're perpetually remembered, we can live in this place in harmony and have fun. And it is a thriving society where they have concerts, they have restaurants, they have galas, they have they jobs. Have, <laughs> they have jobs. <laughs> like, he's right, a security right. officer, you know, at the customs department. I got to get to my family here. <gasps> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it's so funny. Yeah, there there were a lot of really really cool moments, and I love the characters, the character designs of the those who have passed on. Mm-hmm. We got to see uh, through Miguel remembering the different pictures on the ofrenda, uh, you know what they looked like living, and then their dead counterpart, and it was just very very awesome how their facial structures completely matched up. You know your skeleton really was more or less the same yeah the same bones uh that you had when you were alive here's a question i had (laughs) i mean so at the very end when the grandma dies we're jumping back to that point but this is just in my head right now she comes back at in the same form that she was when she died or that was on the ofrenda and so i'm thinking okay is it just that's how you died or is it the way you were on the ofrenda because if it's the way you are on the ofrenda i am going to burn every picture after the age of like 40 (laughs) so i'm like no you will only remember me (laughs) i want to be this as a young 20 year old (laughs) exactly (laughs) just my i'm vain i guess (laughs) uh that was not clear i'm trying to think yeah, because when he remembers them, it's the pictures on the ofrenda, mm-hmm. which more or less was their last photo, you know, last memory of them. Yeah. You know, so they kind of like, this is the state that I remember you before you died, you know. Yeah, it was just really funny in that moment when the when uh, Mama Coco is so much older <laughs> than her dad and even her mom. It's just like sad almost. Like, I 
I I would like to think that, you know, your best version of yourself is, right. is what passes to the other side, but nope. <laughs> not for her. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, one thing that I really appreciated about this whole thing is how basically every culture has its own idea of the afterlife, but in a way, like everybody, you know, it, it all centers around the family in Judeo-Christian beliefs, you know, specifics, the hearts of the fathers turn to the children. And this is in a way, a manifestation of that, you know, in my belief that that is, you know, all symbolization of family and remembering family. Well, and this is in the Mexican culture, this is their way of perpetuating that on a yearly basis, you know, of remembering mm-hmm. that families <laughs> always going to be looking to each other. So I just felt like it was, it was really cool and accessible to no matter what culture or religion or whatever you come from, you can probably find something that applies to you in your life. Right. And I think family itself is so universal and something that's so important to every culture. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to find a culture that doesn't value the family very much. <laughs> yeah. There's one or two. But for the most part, family for each one of us is the most important things in our lives. It all comes back to family. And some of us have great family relationships and others not so much. And, you know, there's different heartaches and sadness that come with that. But, you know, the ideal is that we want to try to have this happy family unit, whether it's, you know, with our parents and siblings. But if we don't have that, like we want to go and create our own somewhere with someone, some people. Right. And I just loved how this was always going back to it. Like once they found out he was family, everything changed. Mm -hmm. Even with Ernesto, who thought that for a period of time, he was his, you know, great, great, great grandson. And how he was just so proud of him and sharing with everybody what he had done and how cool he is. And it's just really cool to me how just those bonds are really so strong. And we really should do everything that we can to to build them, to grow them, to repair them if they're broken. Because at the end, it's family what holds us together. So that's just me yeah. you know, reminiscing about family. <laughs> and but it's really hard with this subject matter to not though because it it touched everyone i know that anybody who went to this i haven't met a single person that thought meh you know everyone was like wow i really got something out of that oh wow that you know is very tender very touching and most people say you know i've another friend on facebook is like no you cried in coco i'm like okay (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that those father-daughter moments at the end, you know, there was one quote that I found just like so great was there was one point where Mama Imelda was like, I will not forgive, forgive him. So about Hector and Miguel was like, you don't have to forgive him, but we shouldn't forget him. And I felt like, like, whoa, that is super deep because there's so many, I mean, in my own family, I have relatives who made a lot of bad decisions and because of that his kids kind of saw anything related to his name as a negative thing and so I don't really know any of his kids because all of his kids just grew up thinking that you know everybody on that side of the family was just bad and now years later things have have changed a bit and you know, come around. So we've developed more of a relationship with that side of the family. And his son was saying, you know, yeah, I I had this whole feeling of like anything that's connected to my dad is negative. But now being able to move past that, I'm able to look and see all of the greatness that comes around that. And yeah, you know, generally people are people and parents make mistakes too. And just don't leave anybody out is a thing just because you might have had a, a bad relationship or, you know, a negative encounter doesn't mean that everything about them is negative and should be completely forgotten. I guess that's what I got out of it. But I thought just that moment was just super deep for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the there's so many things we could talk about the, the middle of the film. I really liked the discovery. So we're going down this path that Ernesto is his grandpa, Ernesto, and when I say grandpa, like great, great, great grandpa, Mm -hmm. you know, and everything that leads to that. But then we're slowly peeling back the layers that he's not so good and he's a little selfish. And then there's this and that. And then it really just comes, all comes tumbling down that he murdered his friend, Hector. Mm -hmm. 
and it just for the fame and, and really has no remorse for it because like at the very beginning when they're telling the story and and this whole time we're led to believe that it is Ernesto right uh, just because he even like even the way he's built in that initial paper cut yeah makes him look like a different guy and so like, we all we've all been tricked into thinking that this is that and and then when that big reveal comes it's like wow how are they going to handle this <laughs> he's really not that great of a guy anymore and and so i'm like wow are they going to you know like because it, it was weird because at first i thought they were like going down the path of like still celebrating him for his actions for like you got to do what you love no matter what, even if it means breaking ties with the family. Like, for a period of time, that's what I thought where they were going. Right. And I'm like, but that goes against everything. <laughs> it goes against everything. That's not the way. <laughs> family is everything. How could... And, and a, a, very quickly, it resolves. Yeah, <laughs> but, but no, you know. they worked for that. Every every emotion that they led you down, you're like, what the... <laughs> like, okay, okay. okay. Oh, what? Uh... <laughs> But, you know, then it's discovered that Hector is the true grandpa and he's actually a super cool guy. And there was the revelation that he was coming back. Right. Yes, he left, but he made the decision to come back. And we don't know at what period of time. Was it just a few months later, a few weeks later, years later? A day later. Nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. Right. And it doesn't matter. And that's the thing when, when people are making decisions and when you go down a wrong path, it doesn't matter when you decide to come back like obviously the sooner the better right and and it'll be a better process you know going going back and there'll be less wounds to heal and whatnot but he came back and he he had made that step unfortunately he was killed in the process and no one knew and so then when they finally tell and the family is very much even in the world in the even in the land of the dead still very much against ernesto they don't even talk about him well, no, they know that it's not Ernesto, right? But they do not talk about music, and they do not talk about the dad. They actually, the grandma doesn't wouldn't even really know because they never talked about him. So Coco was really the only one that would have known. Been like, hey, is this your dad? <laughs> like, no. Well, but the mom knew who she married. Like, she knew she didn't marry Ernesto. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about right. like <laughs> I'm talking about grandma. So living of the living family. Oh right. Right, right, right. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Like, he could have just asked, like, hey, so it was, were you married to Ernesto? <laughs> Can I ask him? <laughs> right, 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 totally. Yeah, but when he, so he comes back and, and they realize that, it's just interesting that there's, because it had been so long, and I think even, like, the idea that when you're dead, sometimes your emotions and your state of mind, you're almost locked in, right? Like, it's really hard to change. Mm -hmm. And, but she does come around. It takes a long time. But she wants nothing to do with the idea of music. She wants the idea of nothing to do with him, even though she knows who he is. She knows he's around. But when it finally comes, you know, that he, that he was coming back and he loves his family and he wanted to make it right, eventually they do come around. He also helps them save the day. Doesn't hurt. So when they get knocked down into that pit mm -hmm. wow the animation on that was gorgeous <laughs> there are like three moments in the film where I, three or four that i was like wow that looks just amazing and that was one of them um when they're in the pit and then that whole reveal of like wait so you're my girl like i thought i was 10 minutes ago i thought i was related to a murderer this is a huge upgrade <laughs> right <laughs> i was like this is nice you <laughs> and the how about the the spirit animal. Those were cool. Those were awesome. I liked the porcupine who was passing around hors d'oeuvres. That made me happy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. just the whole thing was super clever. And the alabrije the is alabrije. what they're called. Yes. There's a lot of Spanish words that I need to learn. I don't think alabrije is like one in normal context that you would use, but that's that's cool to, to learn it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing comes up in, you know, daily conversation but yeah or maybe it's just a it. dog <laughs> it no it's it's like a spirit no animal. i know i know yeah. <laughs> no i'm quoting it it's, oh, oh right. the albrije come in many different forms and of many different powers <laughs> or maybe it's just a dog <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> okay so tangent i was listening to a different podcast and they were talking about how they were going to take 
his daughter to see Coco. And they're like, what is that? I don't really know what that is. is it, it's about day, day of the Dead. They're like, yeah, yeah, it's about Day of the Dead and, and the dog. And the dog's named Coco. <laughs> they hadn't seen it. And clearly, like, uh, that's what they had gathered from the TV commercials. <laughs> I had seen it at that point. And I was like, no, that was about at all. They're like, yeah, so I think it's about this dog. And I'm like, oh, it's so much better than that. Don't even. That's so funny. <laughs> the dog was a good addition, though. I appreciated him. And he was he served a purpose. He did. He served a p- good purpose. I, there were a couple moments where I was like, oh, that's like this movie. It's like, oh, now he earns his wings. Like I literally right. said that right before he <laughs> earned his wings <laughs> as the angel, you know. And then right. the other part was when Coco was like, I have, you know, it was almost like I have the picture or I have the other slipper. You know? <laughs> like there were just these parts right. of like, I feel like I've seen this movie before. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> Just elements that were put together in a new way that I, you know, most movies are like that, though. Mm-hmm. Everything resolves and Ernesto de la Cruz is shamed. The whole world is broadcast to what he has truly done. And then that is passed back to the real world where his legacy in the real world is is tarnished significantly. So much that a year later, his shrine is just in ruins and no one cares about it. And, and instead, they are going to visit the... The, the cobbler's house. You know, the, yes, the home of the songwriter. And I'm just sitting here thinking, I don't know. Would that really happen? Like, well, yes, they were able to disgrace him by saying that he murdered his friend. And the friend was the true hero. But I feel like a lot of society would just try to look past that. And they're like, ah, but he had good movies. <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> Not saying that's okay. No. But... You know, I that society, you know what I mean? I could also see it as I mean, it wasn't like everybody was going to their house and it's not like their house was like now the big mansion. Right, like I mean, they just <laughs> had a couple people there like, "Oh, that's cool." You know, it's like Yeah, yeah. If you're going on the the tour of famous people's homes in LA, you know, it's just like right. not everybody's I doing this, this, but you know, you have a couple people who are interested. Yeah, and and then he's, you know, the family, both sides of the family dead and living come around that music is a good thing and it opens up this new door and he has so much talent because of who his family is mm-hmm. you know he's able to really be himself and it very again it felt like another ratatouille moment where there's this song playing and there's the camera swooping and the family's having a party and they're eating it was like at the very end of ratatouille when they um the the one basically the only song in the movie that has lyrics it's in french uh, is playing and they're all eating and enjoying the new restaurant. And the same thing here is the family's like enjoying. It was like total knockoff to me of the end of Ratatouille in the best of way possible. Right. <laughs> Basically, my point was before. It's like there are a lot of these moments like a great knock. Like, or what is the word? Where it's like um, uh, homage. Paying homage. Yeah. But Inspired. it's also like flattery. Flatter- yeah. Imitation is the, the purest form of praise or something. Something like that. Right. <laughs> like. They took all the best parts. Make it work. So Here's form of flattery. Ah, uh, yes. So as far as being a Pixar movie, obviously there's going to be, you know, the normal stuff you look for. The Pizza Planet truck drives by. Very obvious. Very obvious. Were, did you catch any of the other things? I didn't. I was just so invested in the movie that I really wasn't looking for Easter eggs. Yeah. I, I think it would have been really difficult to find them, too, if they probably put them in, like, the the World of the Dead you know, because you've changed the color of things mm-hmm, and you're like, mm-hmm. hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I, if you stick around to the very end after the credits, the thing that I really appreciated is like, this is dedicated to all of those who have inspired us. And so it looked like a, all of the major people at the studio put a picture of one of their ancestors on this little collage. Aww. It was super sweet. And it was like, that's really tender. I appreciated this movie a lot. And I, I don't know of any way to like improve upon it. Honestly, there was never a point in time where I was like, yeah, that one, I'll, I'll look past that, you know? Right. That to me is the purest form of flattery. Just like, this is good. And the music, we had a lot of people online that were, you know, first off they were saying, you know, everyone's hello from Mexico. And they're like, yeah, the music was one of a kind. It's so great. And then they're also talking about how some people were saying that the the movie itself was much better in Spanish, which I can see how it could be. 
um, mm-hmm. considering that it is that culture. And they had a lot of Easter eggs for the Mexican culture, too. Like, they had very famous people in Mexican culture, like, in the world of the of the dead, just kind of, like, in the background. And people were like, oh, that was awesome. Um, but some people were saying that the music itself was better in Spanish than it was in English. Um, one person said specifically that the English lyrics seemed a little more careful than the Spanish. And I was thinking, well, that's kind of how, you know, Spanish music is, though. It's, in general, a lot more passionate, I guess you could say, than music in English. It's just it's just how it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, and I went ahead and I listened to the I w- listened to the whole soundtrack in Spanish, too. And I just I felt like because it's not my native language, I can't get the exact like the the full feeling, the full effect, I guess. But it I felt like it was really good from what I can understand. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so final thoughts and rating it. I basically just said all the thoughts that I can say, I guess. But rating, I'm going to give this a five stars. I felt like it really worked for the payoff. And I appreciated all the details and the finesse and the careful planning it took to get from point A to point B. It felt very, as you, the word that you used earlier, authentic, authentic to the culture, authentic to the subject matter, as well as eye-opening in a lot of ways for anybody who, who is now looking at this holiday in very different eyes. Mm -hmm. So five stars for me. This film was such a delight and surprise. I really hadn't gone in watching very many trailers. Like I feel like there was a point a few years ago where I just... I absorbed every single trailer, every single piece of bonus feature that was put out ahead of time, every interview, and kind of oversaturated myself before various releases. And recently, I've kind of gone on the other side of it, where I don't watch too much. Like, I'll maybe only watch one trailer, and I'll just stay, kind of stay out of it. And so I was excited to see this, but not totally jazzed or pumped. Like, I knew... It was going to be good because it was Pixar, but at the same time, you know, I wasn't just like so excited to go see it, right? Like I knew I'd see it, and so I did. Yeah. Olaf's Frozen Adventure really kind of put me in a sour mood at the beginning of this, but very quickly was turned that frown upside down with this movie and everything it encompassed and it stood for and the various themes. This was even the first five minutes of the film. I just had that Pixar magic mm-hmm. that you just can't it's it's just pixar i don't know what it is they are just so good at creating these stories that just are timeless and just so multifaceted and so i went into this and it just seemed to get better and better and better and while olaf's frozen adventure felt very inauthentic this felt a hundred percent authentic and real and good yeah and i loved it and i i really enjoyed this movie so much and thought it was so well done and I'm trying to think what I would rate it four and a half five stars I'm going to give it five stars because it really had lots of great elements I think we could go back on a roto rewatch a year from now with more time behind us and see you know where the the dust settles but for right now initial thoughts are five stars very good yeah. I saw this twice I cried twice and like I knew it was coming at the end and yet I couldn't help myself. Mm. It, that's for me how I know this is a quality production. Like you really tear me apart. So That's awesome. All right. So let's listen to some voicemail reviews. Yay. Hey guys. Uh, this is Pablo Ruiz, a longtime listener, first time caller. Uh, I wanted to give my review of Coco. I absolutely loved the movie. Uh, It was gorgeous to look at. It was beautiful. The characters were amazing. I loved all of them. It's also super emotional. I cried so much at the end, uh, which is not difficult, but this one made me cry a lot, more than usual. Um, And yeah, I just loved all the characters. Uh, I'm amazed that even like funny sidekicks like 
uh, Dante had their little character arcs. It was just like a very well-made movie uh, and Pixar's best in a while. The soundtrack was amazing. The songs were really good and a worthy addition to the Pixar pantheon, if you ask me. Thanks. Recuérdame. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Animation Addicts podcast. Of course, you can join the discussion at rotoscopers.com slash 161, and that's where you can leave your review of Coco. Join in the discussion. It's very fun there. I'll also include that link where we there is quite a bit of discussion going on about Olaf's Frozen Adventure. So go check that out. Rotoscopers.com is your place for all things animation, news, reviews, interviews, and lots of opinions. And what I love about the website is that we have very regular readers and commentators who go and post. And we have a very civil discussion, which I think is great. Yeah, There isn't a lot of hate in our comment threads, which I think is just a caliber of like the type of animation fan that we attract, you know, Yes, we can have a civil discussion, positive and negative, about a film and whatnot. We don't have to all love things. Like, it definitely, not everyone agrees, but it's very civil and we treat each other very nicely. So I love it. I thank you guys for listening to the show. Thanks for supporting the show. If you'd like to continue to support the show this holiday season, it would mean a ton to us. Just go to rotoscopers.com slash Amazon. And the cool thing is that if you go to any link on our website that's an Amazon link, those are affiliate links, so we do get a kickback for anything you purchase using that link. It doesn't cost you anything additional. It's just a way that, you know, you you say thank you for sending me to this great product that you recommended, or maybe we didn't recommend, but we included a link anyway. And one of the cool things that Amazon recently has done is that if you click any link on the website, now it officially... Now it will actually convert it to your native Amazon location, which is pretty cool. So if you're in Canada, you just go to rotoscopers.com. You go click on a link. Let's say you're reading the review of Cars 3 that I I posted on the website. And you're like, hey, I want to buy it. You click it, and it will just go straight to your Amazon CA website. And you just purchase it through there, which is cool. So that's very awesome. Now, if you're just wanting to go straight to the portal, rotoscopers.com slash support has all of the various links for our affiliate program. So basically it's just the abbreviated version of your country. We include this in every single show note, just so you know. Every single show note on the webpage, rotoscopers.com slash 161, you can find all of these, but rotoscopers.com slash Amazon CA, rotoscopers.com slash Amazon UK, rotoscopers.com slash Amazon DE for Germany. So you know that's what you can do. Start your Amazon shopping there. We appreciate it so much. You just start your shopping using our link. We really, really do appreciate it. It helps to cover the different hosting costs for the website, which I must say, our website has not been down in a little while, which I appreciate because we've been able to upgrade to better, better hosting packages with more capacity. So that way the site just doesn't crash all the time and is a hot mess. So thank you guys. You make it possible. Also, if you'd like to consider being a patron, go to our Patreon, rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. We have a lot of really cool perks there at different levels. At our $1 level, you get access to our weekly news show that we put out so every every week we put out this week in animation also known as twia and we review that week's news from the previous week it's really fun and then if you are a five dollar patron you get that episode you get that weekly show plus a monthly roto rewatch where we go back and we review a film that we've previously done there's 161 films just that we need to re-review and we've done about five or six of them so far since we've started the roto rewatch November was Frozember, so we got Frozen. And then this upcoming month is December. We're doing a Goofy movie. So very, very fun films. And if you do join, you do get access to the previous episodes um, as part of that RSS feed. So that's pretty cool as well. Also, the last way to support the show and the easiest is go to rotoscopers.com slash iTunes and just leave us a review saying how much you love the show on iTunes. Give us a rating and a little, you know, just type a little review, and it really, really goes a long way to help other people find the show. I know a few weeks ago I mentioned, oh, yeah, when you type in animation, we're the number two podcast that comes up for animation. You know what? I did that recently. That wasn't true. So I don't know. The algorithm's changing all the time. (laughs) But if you guys went and did that review, maybe, maybe we would get more. Maybe we'd go back to our number two spot. I don't know where where we are now currently, but (laughs) it's all good. You guys are listening. Tell your friends. And yes, thank you guys for being such great listeners. Send us your voicemails at rotoscopers.com slash voicemails. 
or you can call us at 406-646-6575. And of course, you can use those phone numbers or that voicemail line to leave us a voicemail for our next upcoming movie. We're moving into Christmas holiday territory, so we decided that we are going to be doing The Polar Express Yay. from 2004. I actually have never seen this movie. I've seen bits and pieces on TV. I feel like it's always showing on TV. Uh, that particular scene with the hot chocolate on the train stands out to me. I feel like that's very widespread. Mm-hmm. They show it a lot. But I, other than anything else, I've not seen it, and I'm excited to. And I know this goes into the uncanny valley, <laughs> which we will discuss. So send us your voicemails for that. And until next time, we, we are, are the Rotoscopers. Rotoscopers.